Well, today, as you've already heard when Craig was talking, uh, we're going to celebrate baptism. Some of you are here and you're saying, wait a second, I thought this was Easter. I came to hear about Easter. And that's a fair question. But if you want to pull out the message notes, let me just start right out of the gates by saying this morning that Easter and baptism are both about the same thing. They're both about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Easter and baptism are about the same thing. And uh, this morning, we are going to talk about baptism, and we're not only going to talk about it, but before the service is over today, we're going to practice baptism. In fact, we're going to invite every person here, if you've never been baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ, to consider being baptized. And in the last two services, friends, I just got to tell you, I mean, it has been very, very meaningful to see the way that God is working in different people's lives. And so I want to just mention that last year when we were planning ahead to this time, here's how this day came about, is that we looked ahead as we plan a year out each year, and as we saw that we were going to be in this Living Church series studying the practices that the church did in the New Testament, we thought, wouldn't it be interesting, as far as I know, we have not ever practiced baptism on Easter, wouldn't it be an interesting thing to celebrate baptism on Easter Sunday? And so that's what we're going to do. Now, again, if you um, have been with us, you know that the early church devoted themselves to different practices. And as we saw last week in part one of this series on living church and baptism, the early church was devoted to this practice. They saw it as very, very important. But today, in our option-free culture, if you're following along in the notes, we let things stand in the way of being baptized. It's just really easy to go, you know what? I might, you know, that's not a bad idea. I'll think about that. I'll do that someday. And we just let lots of things stand in our way. The truth is, some things that stand in the way are good things. Some of us have honest questions. We're, we're just kind of searching. We're seeking. We're just getting understanding about who Jesus is. And so we need to ask a lot of questions. And I hope you know, at Cherry Hills, we believe that people coming to know the Lord is a process, not just an event. That sometimes it takes being able to ask lots of questions and getting a chance to really think about this meaningfully. And so we hope that if that's you, that we can be helpful to you that even today. But sometimes it's not about honest questions anymore. Sometimes it's about fear. Sometimes we're afraid uh, we take that step. I mean, I may lose control or what about my family or, and they're just normal fears that we all have sometimes. Other people, it's just plain old fashioned pride. I know that's what I've wrestled with many times. I'm just proud, and that looks like a real humble thing that God would ask me to do, and I'm just not going to do it. And so those things sometimes stand in the way. But today I want to talk to you about another thing that stands in the way, and then if we can learn how to, to, to deal with this, that God will help us follow him in baptism and so many other things. So I want to ask you to open your Bibles. And I know some of you didn't bring a Bible. Don't feel embarrassed. We have black ones right there in front of you, hopefully, in the seat rack near you. Pull that out. It's on page 759 where we're going to be camping here this morning. 759, and we're going to look at Acts 2. For those of you that are getting used to your Bibles, that's about three-fourths of the way back in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. We're going to look at Acts 2, verses 37 through 41, as we look at baptism this second week. And as we think about baptism, I hope you'll see that this story took place seven weeks after Jesus rose again. Just seven weeks after he'd been crucified in Jerusalem, and he rose again three days later. 
Now, the same Peter, one of his disciples that had been so afraid of standing up for Jesus, now he stands up seven weeks later because Jesus has restored him and changed his life forever, and he stands up boldly and preaches a message to thousands of people in the same city Jesus had just been crucified in. And if Jesus hadn't really risen again, they would have been able to produce a body in that same city easily and said, you guys are frauds. So he stands up and preaches this, and then that's how we pick it up in verse 37 at the end of his message. Evidently, it had quite an impact on thousands of people that were listening in this crowd. So let's read it together. I've listed verse 37 and 38 in the message notes so we can all read off the same translation. Would you mind joining me? Let's read it together full voice, and then I'll read verses 39 through 41. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, What shall we do? Drop down, if you would, to the second grade box. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter goes on, verse 39. The promise is for you and your children. Isn't that powerful? And I love this next part, and for all who are far off. Anybody here far from God today cares about you? For all whom the Lord our God will call. I really do believe that God didn't just call people that day to follow him. He's going to call some people today. Maybe that's you. Verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. In other words, don't keep sailing down the same direction because it's headed towards destruction. Make a decision. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Talk about a baptism service. Wow. Now what's going on here? What did they need to understand in order for them to make that decision to be baptized? What was going on? Well, we see that God was really working in their lives. That's, they were cut to the heart. This didn't mean they just felt a little guilty. This means that, wow, God is dealing with me. God is showing me something. And I cannot, I can't avoid it anymore. Cut to the heart. What shall we do? They would have never asked if he hadn't already been working in their lives. He is so gracious. But notice that Peter's answer is not when they say, what shall we do? Nothing. He's very specific. Here's the phrase. Repent and be baptized. If you're following along in the notes, notice Peter's twofold response. Here's what he says. Repent and be baptized. I don't think repent's a very popular word, do you? Repent, most people, when they hear the word repent, they have seen somebody with a bullhorn or somebody that's real pushy, someone that's really condemning and judging, going, repent! Boy, in our culture, when we hear that kind of stuff, we just go, whoa, 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 that guy is eating some bad food. But the idea of repent is also understood sometimes to mean stop your evil behavior. Stop your bad behavior. And I just need to tell you, nowhere in the New Testament is that what it means. It's not that that's not involved sometimes. But the word actually is a positive word. Most of the time when we hear the word repent, we think that's about as fun as drinking castor oil. You know, because we're sick or eating our vegetables. Repentance is a beautiful word. Repentance is also a positive word, and here's what it means if you're following along in the notes. The word comes from the Greek word metanoia, and it means change your mind. 
Sometimes people say, well, doesn't repentance mean change your direction? Technically, no. <coughs> Technically, repentance means to change your mind. The fruit of our repentance, the result of our repentance, is a change in direction. It is stopping things that we used to do and pursuing things we didn't pursue before. But it all starts with us having our mind changed and being willing to change our mind. And the question comes is, what do they need to change their minds about? And we find that in verse 36, which we started just after verse 36 by reading verse 37. Uh, let me... Uh, Show it here on the screen, but if you're looking at your Bible, you can look along with me. Here's what it says. Peter ends his sermon by saying, be assured of this. Everyone that's listening, you need to know something that's a rock-solid fact. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, look at the phrase with me, both what, friends? Lord and Messiah. Some of your translations, both Lord and Christ. When you say Jesus Christ, whether you're saying it pleasantly or as a curse word, you are saying that Jesus is God's Messiah, God's anointed and appointed one to deal with our broken relationship with God. And so Peter stands up and says, you need to understand something about Jesus if you haven't already. And no matter what you think about Jesus now, I'm calling you to change your mind about Jesus Christ. Do you understand that Jesus came to be Lord? Now, repentance means that uh, the word metanoia, meta means over, to turn, to flip, to reverse. And it, the word noia comes from the word noose, mind. It means to flip your mind. It means literally to say, I used to think this way, now I think this way. I used to have this perspective, now I have this perspective. I used to think this was true, now I know this is true. And really, if, if your understanding repents correctly, in this case, what it means is, if you think this way, now accept the way God thinks. Change the way you think in any way that it doesn't agree with what God thinks. That's what he's calling them to do. So if you're following along in the notes, notice that he's calling them to think as God thinks. And here's what God thinks. Jesus is Lord. Friends, around here at Cherry Hills, we've talked many times about the fact that we believe God is calling us to declare war on shallow Christianity, beginning with ourselves. We, we see ways that we still are so shallow you know where a lot of shallowness comes from? It comes from this idea that Jesus can be the Savior of my life, but I don't necessarily have to trust him as the Lord of my life. Does that make sense? If Jesus is a Savior, he can take me to heaven, but I don't necessarily need to change. I don't necessarily need to change my mind. I don't necessarily need to think of him as the Lord over my life. And this is where the rub is, friends. I remember so many times growing up, when my dad would be preaching a message, he'd take us through the Bible and say, okay, this is what it means to live the Christian life in this area. With your time, your money, your body, your relationships, with these decisions, your work, different things like that. And then he'd come down to the point where he'd say, will you yield to Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life? And I didn't tell people, but in my mind I was going, no! And here's what I, here's what I believe. I think back on this. When I, I mean, I don't know if anybody else wrestles with this. But I remember so many times thinking, if I do that, I'll lose more than I win. If I let Jesus really be the Lord of my life, I'll lose this, I'll lose this, I'll have to give up this, I'll lose this. On and on it would go. And the, my, my list would play over and over again, and I was in a civil war inside. 
And I remember coming to the day where I realized, do I really believe that about Jesus Christ? That the one who would lay down his life for me, be sacrificed on the cross for me, and rise again, offering me the gift of the Holy Spirit, who I definitely don't deserve, as unholy as I am. Do I really believe that he would want to be the Lord of my life and he would be a taker more than a giver? That he would make me lose in the long run more than I would win? I remember thinking, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus says, whoever tries to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What would it profit you if you gained everything the world could offer you, but you lost your relationship with God? He says, that's crazy business. And so repentance means to change our minds and say, oh man. So you may be saying, how do I know if I am changing my mind the way Peter was talking about? Let me just say A, B, C, D for you. It's helped me over the years. For A, can you come to the place where you admit, as the Bible says, is that you're a sinner separated from a relationship with God because of your sin. What's sin? Sin is, God's told us that the order of our lives means, needs to be that we love the Lord, love our neighbor, and then love ourselves. But sin reverses it. We love ourselves, maybe our neighbor, and then love God at a distance. And what he wants to know is, will you, can you and I admit that? Can we admit that the consequences of our sinfulness and our independent spirit is separation from God? And that if that separation does not get dealt with, it will be eternal separation. Where we say, I don't want you to be the Lord of my life. Someday he'll say, have it your way. The second thing is to believe. To believe that Jesus is the Savior I need for my sin. And this is humbling stuff to talk about, isn't it? This is the pathway of repentance that's beautiful. When you and I believe that Jesus really is the perfect Savior sent from God to save me from my sin and my sinfulness. Wow. Third thing, C for consider. To consider that Jesus came not just to be my Savior, your Savior, but to be the Lord. And that as the Lord, he calls us to change our mind, and he calls us to obey him, and he calls us to follow him. Well, those first three things can all take place in our mind, but for the letter D, do. We've already admitted that we're sinners. We've already believed that Jesus Christ is the Savior we need from sin. And for C, we've considered that he came to be Lord and not just our Savior. D, we need to come to Christ and call on his name as the Lord. And that's something you can do today right where you're sitting. Or you can do that in your car on the way home. You can kneel by your bed tonight and you can trust Christ. And you can know him as your Lord. You can change your mind You can say, I woke up this morning thinking like this. And by the time I went to bed on Easter evening, I believed what God said about Jesus Christ as Lord. So that's part of the understanding there. But, you know, he says, repent and what, friends? Be baptized. Now, last week I talked about this. And if you didn't get a chance to hear the message, please know that I dealt with this in a much more fuller way than I can today. You may want to listen to that message. We have CDs at the Welcome Center you can pick up or it's free on the website. All of our messages are. And that may help you because I talk about this and you may have some questions. And speaking of questions, if you look on the back of your notes, I've just tried to answer five of the questions that we get often. And one of those might be your questions. But here's the three big ideas of baptism. And some of you told me last week that this really helped you. As you look at the New Testament, how did the early church practice baptism? Here's the first thing. 
they understood that it was a command that Jesus gave to every believer, if you're following along. It's a command that Jesus gave to every believer. It's a command, not a suggestion. It's a command, not a nice idea. And one of the first tests of whether or not we've really changed our mind and Jesus being the Lord is will we obey his command? Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Teach people how to follow me as the Lord. It's a command. I will tell you this, over the years, this has meant a lot to me, and some of you have told me the same. Is it the same one who commands us, who could just say, do it because I told you so, is the same one at the very beginning of his ministry, stepped down into the water and said to John the Baptist, baptize me. And John the Baptist goes, whoa, like, you don't have any sin. This is like, I should be like, we should be reversing this. He said, let's do this to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, I'm going to start off something. I'm going to call other people to do. But I'll go first. I'll humble myself. What a Lord. What a Lord. Second thing we learned is that the form of baptism that we see in the New Testament seems to be pretty clear. And if you're following along in the notes, here's what it is. That people were to go down into, be placed fully under, and then come up out of the water. The people were to go down into water, be placed fully under, and then come up out of the water. And again, this is seen, and I mentioned some of the places you can see this clearly in the New Testament, but this is a powerful, powerful picture. Uh, this also comes from the idea of the original Greek word in the New Testament that it was written in, and the word is baptizo, if you're following along, where the word literally means, it was used outside the Bible as well, but here's what it literally means, to dip, immerse, and to submerge entirely. To dip, immerse, or submerge entirely. It was used of sunken ships. It was used of drowned persons. It was used of fabric that had been dyed a completely different color. That means it didn't just get stuff splashed on it, but it was completely immersed. When a person gets baptized, they step down in the water, and now he's saying, Lord, now that you are my Lord, I will obey your command. I will humbly be baptized, and also baptize me. Baptize all of me. Baptize me entirely. Don't just be my savior. Be the Lord of every area of my life. Baptize my mouth. Baptize my mind. Baptize my wallet. Baptize my watch. Baptize my hands, my feet. And I thought it might be helpful. My wife uh, shared her gloves with me. But I have here a bowl of red dye. And I also have a white hand cloth and uh, sometimes it's tempting when we think about our relationship with Jesus just to say, Jesus, you can have a little bit of my life. There you go. See what you can do with that. Jesus says, I came to be your Lord. I want to baptize you into my life. I want to change every area of your life. And so by immersing it and submerging it, Every fiber, every corner, nothing is left untouched. And when a person's being baptized, they're saying, I've changed my mind. I used to think I'd lose more than I would win. I no longer believe that. I believe the best thing I could ever do 
was trust you with every area of my life. And so people have been doing that for years. They've been being baptized by immersion. It's a powerful, powerful picture. And uh, one more thing that I want to talk to you about is not only the command and the form, but also the timing. If you see there on the notes, you see that the timing of baptism, as we study the pattern in the New Testament, is that people believed and were baptized. People believed and were baptized. You may say, well, what is the significance of that? Well, notice the sequence. People were not baptized and later believed. They were not baptized until they believed. And so uh, many times we've seen in the New Testament where Jesus would be caring for people, and one time a group of parents brought their little ones to Jesus. Now, if Jesus wanted little ones to be baptized like that, then he would have commanded the disciples to automatically, very first thing, Baptize infants and things like that. Instead, he blessed them. He held them. Jesus loves children. But he did not urge the disciples to baptize them until they came to believe in Jesus themselves. And if you've been baptized by sprinkling or as an infant, please know that we believe that's a very meaningful thing when parents do that for children. We dedicate children here. We believe it's important when any parent wants their child to be under the grace of God but we urge every parent to teach their children, affirm your faith in Jesus Christ when you become old enough to understand and believe. They believed and were baptized. Wow. So the picture of this is so powerful. Picture these 3,000 people that day standing and saying, I've changed my mind. Jesus is Lord. I have been believing a lie that I will lose more than I will win in the long run. Yes, I may have to count the cost. Yes, I may have to turn from things that have become precious to me. I may have to be at odds with my parents if they don't. All those kind of things can happen, friends. But in the long run, person after person down through history has said, Jesus, I know you're the Lord. You'll allow my life to win more than lose in the long run. So I want to just show you a picture of how people were baptized and why, again, baptizing by, by immersion is so meaningful. Last week I talked about our second son, Luke, and I'm going to ask him to come up. Luke's home from graduate school, so I enlisted him again this week. Some of you said that it was helpful just to see this picture, and so I, I just want to make sure every one of you have an opportunity. In just a few moments, I'm going to invite every person in this room to consider being baptized as a believer. And if you decide to do that, I want to kind of show you what's going to happen. First, we're going to ask three questions after we've introduced you. And we're going to just ask this question first. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? The second question is, have you received him as your own Savior from sin and death? Have you been able to admit, I am a sinner, but he is a great Savior? He is the Savior from sin and death in my life. And then third question, this relates to what we've been talking about. Are you willing to let him be the Lord of your life? each day from now on. And when people answer those questions, and I have asked every person to tell me ahead of time if they're going to say no. <laughs> but when they answer those questions, then we bring them forward. We ask them to raise their hands in a posture of prayer. And we ask them <coughs> to be ready to lay back and be baptized. And so I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then what you'll see is that when a person lays back like this, and they go under the water, and then they're brought back up. I won't drop him. <laughs> when they come back up, there's the picture. 
A person is saying, I no longer trust in my own righteousness. I no longer believe that there is anything I could ever do that would be good enough to, to bridge the gap in my relationship with God, but I do believe that God bridged the gap with his son when his son died for me, was buried for me, and raised again for me. Therefore, I am willing, now that he's the Lord of my life, to die to the old Jeff, to be buried and raised to new life and to learn how to live this new life with Christ. So, death, burial, resurrection. Death, burial, resurrection. Wow. So, would you mind thanking Luke just for helping there? So, so the question becomes, what do we do now? Well, here's how we bring this home. How do I practice baptism? The first thing is you need to ask yourself, have you been baptized yet as a believer? You see that? line there, not yet baptized as a believer, what the Lord may be saying to you today, and you'll know, friends, you will not be able to miss it if he's saying it to you. You'll know in your heart. He may be saying to you, hey, no more letting fear stand in the way. No more letting unbelief change your mind. No letting pride change your mind. Humble myself and be baptized if you're following along. Humble myself and be baptized. I've, I've had the privilege of baptizing a number of people over the years. I'll never forget a situation where an 80-year-old lady and her husband came forward. He was about three years older, and they asked to be baptized. She was missing a hand. It was a birth defect that she'd had since birth. And so most people didn't know because she'd learned how to hide it under her garments. And the thought of her coming before everyone and holding up her missing hand and being baptized would have, would have got me to at least stop and think about it. But the night before she was baptized, I, we had talked through what she was going to be doing. She stood outside and said, this is the happiest day of my life. See, God had changed her mind. And she now understood that it was an incredible privilege to follow Christ as Lord and that there was nothing that was too humiliating Nothing that could possibly compare to the win of Christ in her life. Oh my goodness, some of you. There was a man in the first service that said after last week, he knew like he'd never known before that it was pride keeping him from being baptized as a believer. And he went down into the water. Friends, I had a hard time containing myself. But maybe you're already baptized as a believer. Then here's what I would say. Maybe you need to say today, I need to live my baptism daily. That's what we say to a lot of people that have already been baptized but may say, well, should I be baptized again since I already was baptized by immersion as a believer? We would say, no, no, no. Here's what we would say. Um, learn how to live out what your baptism represents. I was baptized when I was eight. And I was baptized as a believer. But by the time I was 15, I think, I'm not sure if that's when I was born again. I don't, you know, anybody else understand what I'm talking about here, the mysteries of how God works in our lives in different chapters? So I start, do I need to be baptized again? Because I thought, I didn't understand as much then as I do now. And I also thought, I know I've really messed up quite a bit since then too. So that might come in handy to cover that. <laughs> and the Lord just showed me, Jeff, you already have been baptized by trusting me as a believer. I know it was childlike, but you believed in me. And if you're going to go that way, if you're thinking you need to be baptized again, you're going to be baptized hundreds of times before you're done. I want you to live it out. So each day when you get up in the morning, give your life back to me. Offer your life to me. You'll stumble sometimes. 
It'll be a process, but I want to change your mind, transform you by renewing your mind through my scripture and the body of Christ and things like that. And I've been on that process for many years now, and I just want to tell you, I have won more than I have ever lost. And if I had known what was waiting for me on the other side of repentance, I would have repented a long time ago. I'm so thankful for Jesus. And so, it's decision time. You may be here and you're saying, like, what do I do? Is, should I be baptized? Let me try and be helpful to you. I imagine that there's some questions that you're, you may be having. And, um, and so, I'll try and deal with some of those because in the last service, people have thought this is kind of helpful. Some of you said, well, I didn't come dressed for baptism. And uh, some of you may even be thinking, in fact, what I'm wearing is actually, if I was baptized, it would be see-through. That would be awkward. <laughs> and, and again, maybe j- just out of modesty. So we want you to know that we've got that covered. We've got dark shirts and dark shorts for every size waiting for you if you're ready to be baptized today. And uh, some of you may say, well, like, where would I change? We have private places for people to change, and we will watch your stuff so no one takes it. Some of you may say, um, well, like, after I'm baptized, I didn't bring a a change or any dry undergarments. Um, I asked them to put these in plastic bags, but we have men's underwear and women's underwear, and sports bras, and we have those things that you might need. Not only that, we have feminine hygiene products, we have lotion, we have deodorant. And you may, this may be the biggie for you, what about my hair? I know some of you, honestly, I can tell you spent some time this morning, and this would greatly alter that if you decide to be baptized. We have all kinds of hair products, we have combs, we have brushes. We have those things, friends, and we'd be more than glad to give those to you. Some of you may say, I have kids. I brought my kids. We'd be glad to watch your kids until you can get changed and pick them up. Some of you may say, what about my family? My family, I want my family to see it. Maybe your family's here. Maybe your family's not. You know, we're going to baptize again June 23rd, but if he's asking to be baptized today, and it really is about Jesus, you know, but if, if he's asking to be baptized today, we're going to take a picture. Professional photographer is going to take a picture when you're baptized that will enable you to show everybody that on Easter Sunday, you changed your mind and you let Jesus be the Lord of your life and you stepped down into the water of baptism and you said, baptize me. Baptize all of me. And teach me this new way of life that you rose again to make possible. So I want to invite, I, you know, after last Sunday, a number of you, God was showing you and you signed up and you, you want to be baptized. And so I want to ask those of you that are already planning to be baptized in this service to stand up right now. And for those of you that said, I didn't sign up, but I am ready to be baptized. If you walk out those three back doors... There are people that will direct you and they will help you get the things I just talked about. But what's standing in your way? Everything is ready for you. No more sitting on the fence. Obey the Lord if he's asking you to. And friends, don't do it out of guilt. Don't do it by any pressure from me. If you sense he's pulling you, tugging you, then obey him. I hope you will.
and I want to dismiss you now. So you can stand up and be dismissed. And again, at the last two services, we've had people that did not come today planning to be baptized, and they were baptized. We've seen couples be baptized. We've seen father and sons be baptized. Friends, it has been an incredible day of grace upon us. And so, again, as you're thinking about that. Now, for those of us that still remain, let me say one of two things. While I'm talking, if God is still working in your heart and he wants you to be baptized and you're just struggling, we understand that. And so even while I'm talking, you can still get up. It's not too late. We will stay as long as we need to stay to baptize every person that wants to obey Christ. But for those of us that maybe already have been baptized as believers, how do we, how do we think of that? I mentioned this last week, but when Luke was baptized, he was a young boy. And one day he and I were taking a ride in the car and uh, I was asking him about something he had done that week. And I said, Luke, why did you do that? It was a good thing, by the way. And he said, Dad, that's what baptized believers do. And I remember thinking, he gets it. Baptism wasn't an event for him. Baptism was a life. Baptized believers live differently. They learn how to let Jesus be the Lord of their life each day. And when they stumble, they come back to that and say, Lord, Thank you so much for dying for me, being buried for me, being raised for me. Thank you for your grace that can cover this, but also, Lord, keep teaching me. Change my mind. Transform me. And so, again, maybe that's important for you. How would that look? What if you were to kneel at your bed today or first thing in the morning and say, I want to live my baptism, Jesus. Just as you died, were buried, and rose again for me. Teach me how to live that out each day with you. I want to be one with you. Baptize all of me. Teach me how to use my mouth. I've used it to swear and to cut people down. Teach me how to use it. For you're the Lord. I've used my sexuality with all kinds of permission. Lord, teach me how to use it in a way that honors you. I've used my job or my skills in ways that honored myself. Teach me how to be yours. Be the Lord of my life. So I'm going to dismiss myself now. Chuck's going to lead us in prayer and also song, but here's what I want to say. Pray for these people. We want to be a church that supports anybody that follows Christ, and when a person steps forward and says, I want to let Jesus be the Lord, they are a marked person, friends. The, The days ahead can be challenging for them, but we want to be the church that encourages each other on, so let's pray for them. And also, I want to just tell you that after each person comes up out of the water, It's just happened over the years. We clap a lot. (laughs) Because the Bible tells us that when one sinner repents, there is more joy in heaven than over 99 people that didn't need to repent. Heaven goes crazy, and we should too. Amen? If you don't already have a church home, come back next week. We're learning how to live the Christian life. If you don't have a Bible, stop by the Welcome Center. We'd love for you to have one. God has been very good to our church today, hasn't he? Now let me pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Now, Lord, we pray that your name would be so great, that you would be such a phenomenal Lord that it would not be about our church, but that you would work in this city in many churches, that you would be honored over and over again this Easter around the world 
we are so thankful that you came to bring life through your death, burial, and resurrection. Help these people that were baptized follow you. Help us and be encouraging to them as they're encouraging to us. And we trust you, Lord. We believe that we'll win more than we'll lose if you're the Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Christ has risen. Happy Easter, everyone.